Welcome to Aegis Comics of Alaska's podcast. This is where we let Alaskans know what to put in their box at Alaska's Comic Shop, located in downtown Wasilla, behind Chimo Guns, and directly above Game Theory at 500 East Swanson Avenue. You can find out more about Alaska's Comic Book Shop at www.aegiscomicsalaska.com, and you can follow us on social media at Aegis Comics Alaska. Let's get it started. Hey everybody, it is Lou here at Aegis Comics of Alaska, Alaska's podcast for all the comic geeks out there. I am joined by my beautiful co-host Amy, and today we have a guest here. It is Mike LaJoy, the director and founder of Art at Comic Con. I've known him since... 2013, I think, is the yeah. first time we met. I think so. And, uh, man, uh, we literally... It's funny that... So, I was the recruiter for the troopers at the time, and we were, like, in this uphill battle. My, uh, my It was crazy. So, we're recruiting. We had just shut down the trooper show. It was done. So, now we didn't have that show recruiting right. as it was. Okay. So now we had to do raw recruiting, the old school type of, you know, like the military recruiting. And it didn't help that the person who oversaw our unit was like this 400 pound morbidly obese, you know, the stereotypical donut eating trooper <laughs> who did gotcha. not. And he was so old school. He was like, a, he just retired this year. He's like a 40 year trooper. This guy just sat at the headquarters for years, just sitting there. And uh, uh, we used to call him Jabba. And anyway, this guy, he didn't believe in recruiting. He believed that people should just want to jump into that type of thing, right? And I was like, man, I got to figure out something, something that this guy understands. (laughs) And yet uh, we can reach new audiences. And then I forget how we met, but you were... You were like the lead guy uh, for uh, Ohana Media Group. You were the point of contact, so to speak, for Ohana uh, Media Group. And you you hooked us up, got us on radio shows and all kinds of stuff. And it actually, we saw some return on uh, on investment almost immediately. So right there I knew, oh, this is a guy who knows his stuff about <laughs> promoting stuff here. And uh, uh, fast forward, my wife and I, we're sitting there, and you remember when I was like, hey, uh, uh, I want to open up a comic book shop, and she was like... <laughs> okay, so to put this into context, though, you were not very post-shoulder surgery, and I had come home from the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I walk into the house holding groceries, and he turns and looks at me, and he goes, babe, I want to open a comic book shop. And I said, sure you just don't want another pain pill? Like, what's going on here? Like, how did we go from, you know, like, trooper, military, and now comic shop? We had watched the movies all the time. We always went and saw all the different, you know, Marvel movies and whatnot. But I had not been introduced to comic books in this capacity at all. And so he looked at me, and he's like, no, I I really, really want to do it. It's like my field of dreams, and I'm kind of ride or die. So I went, all right, let's do it. Here we are. And uh, I remember it was actually your idea. So she researched and saw, hey, babe, there's a 
Comic-Con in Anchorage. And I said, there's no Comic-Con up here. And she said, <laughs> yes, there's an Arctic Comic-Con. And then I remember, as I'm researching, I'm like, Michael, I know that guy. <laughs> it's got to be legit. And fast forward, we get to Comic-Con, start our booth there, because we had just discovered this this yeah, place we here where we're recording we right now. Okay. We weren't even ready. But we knew, man, we've got to launch it and we've got to get the word out. I was really adamant about us being at that first Comic-Con. I said, hand out, because we we were the only ones actually handing out free comic books on, because it was, the rest of Alaska had postponed free comic book day last year because it right. fell on con. But I said, nope. I said, we are going to hand comic, but people, it was kind of hard because people were like, is it really free though? I was like, no, really. We just want you to know we're we're new. We're getting ready to open. I was like, it's important for us to be at this con. Like it is, we've got to be there. There was no second option, and we were really yeah. thankful because it was we were late to the game. And I was like, try to get a booth, see what we can do. And we had our little booth there, and we had family friends helping us because I was up at work on the slope, <laughs> so I wasn't even there. So we had family friends. I was like, I need you to go help. We've got to get this done. We got a banner made up like super quick. <laughs> It's not the type of banner that we have now, and, uh, uh, but uh, uh, we got a banner put up real quick, and sure enough, people started coming to the booth there at Art of Comic Con. They were happy to see that there was another comic book shop, mm-hmm. and we literally sold our first comic book at your show. At the con. At it was a TKO book. Nice. It was a TKO. We sold uh, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, and... The reason we're so excited about having you on our podcast today is because, uh, uh, number one, the gratitude that we have for you, because we have customers that we met there that are still customers to this day that we just saw last week when we reopened for normal for semi-normal traffic, that they're still loyal to us since Comic-Con. And as soon as we reaffirmed with them that we're going back to Con in October, we've have to turn away volunteers. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people that are so excited and interested in this thing that you started. So I guess my my first thing, you know, both of us, we want to thank you for doing that. You have no idea uh, the blessing that it's been you opening up that show and reintroducing people to this hobby. And uh, uh, then, of course, the reason we have you here, too, is we're going to ask you, what on earth... <laughs> <laughs> what crazy thought was going through your mind to start Comic Con, <laughs> especially in Alaska? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me, and thank you for your support. And it's it's so humbling. Um, my my passion for the con for cons as a whole is is the overwhelming um, acceptance and positivity of those events. So to hear that you guys had such a great experience, um, it really really warms me. Um, why did I start the con? Well, this is actually, and a lot of people don't know this. Um, some people do, but not most. Uh, this is my second go around at putting together comic book shows in Alaska. I, I moved here in 1991, and um, I'd always collected comics. Um, I started at about six uh, or seven, and uh, and that's literally where every dollar of my I would mow lawns for extra money I would I grew up in South Florida so there's weather was a little different I had some options uh, that was a year-round gig you know you pick up a couple of houses in the neighborhood mow their lawn once or twice a week twice during the summer um, and and so I would 
the all I spent my money on as a kid growing up was uh, there was a comic shop that was maybe ten or fifteen miles away from my house in West Palm Beach. Uh, it was called Past, Present, Future Comics, and uh, it was in Lantana. Um, and so that's where I, that's when I got started. I started off collecting these comics, and then you know my mom um, would would end up driving me every week on New Comic Book Day, and um, and then we you know we cut into bags and boards because if I'm going to spend all my money on this stuff, I should protect my investment. And so um, it, was, it was she she wasn't into the comics at all, but what she was into was the the responsibility aspect of it. And if I'm going to use, you know, my, if this is what I'm going to spend my money on, I should take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's kind of where it all started. I just kept doing that. Um, all the way through high school, um, I moved to Flagstaff, Arizona, um, which just had a comic shop, a tiny little comic shop, had just, shop had just opened as I was getting into college. Um, and then I worked there, uh, it's beyond the statute of limitations, so it's fine. I worked there for trade. I was never paid a dollar of actual money, um, but uh, you know, minimum wage being three thirty-five an hour. I was working for five dollars an hour in trade, so he was still getting a good deal. I was getting a better deal, you know, more for my money. Um, so that was one of the first jobs uh, I had directly in the comic industry. Um, I went to college there, moved to Alaska in '91, and um, about three years in. I realized there's no comic book shows. Bosco's uh, has, you know, had been open for years. They Since had a location. Yeah, they had a location in um, Eagle River. They had uh, two locations in Anchorage. But there's no comic book show, and nobody was bringing up creators at all. And this was kind of before the pop culture expansion. So I decided to. Um, I, I, I started traveling to Seattle regularly. Uh, there was a gentleman down there named Steve Miner, and Miner, Steve Miner would put together these Miner cons. Uh, he did them in the the Northwest buildings at Seattle Center. It was really, it wasn't huge, but it was. He'd get a dozen or so artists and writers, and the Pacific Northwest is rich in that talent. A lot of the great names work right out of Seattle. Um, Tim Sale is a Seattle guy. Um, Batman Long Halloween. Oh, um, wow. He lives in the Seattle area. Mike Grell, who is responsible for Green Arrow and the Longbow Hunters. Um, Tyrannus Runs on Warlord lives in the Seattle area. Um, uh, Rick Hoberg, who's not a name that a lot of people recognize. Um, he had a lot to do with the Ultraverse launch. Um, he does storyboarding now for George Lucas um, oh, on, wow. on some of the Star Wars projects. Uh, these guys are, you know, there in that area. Terry Dodson lives in Portland, I think. Um, Kevin McGuire lives in Portland. A lot of great comics talent is right there. So I started to make some connections there um, and picked up a couple of phone numbers and said, hey, I'm going to try to do this in Alaska. Would you guys be interested in coming up? Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have never been to Alaska, so I got a lot of yeses right out of the gate. And I started doing these shows in the Hilton um, in the grand ballroom there, yeah. uh, brought up two or three, four comic book artists and writers, um, and then sold tables, <laughs> you know, for 75 bucks. I wasn't doing it to make any money. I was just right. doing it to, out of my love for the industry. I would get the, I'd pay for the artists and the writers to come up. I'd make just enough money on a three or five, $7 admission to cover my costs and, and still put on the show. Um, and I did three of those. Uh, the first year I had Rick, Hoberg come up, um, and and I, I think there was somebody else. And then the second year, 
was the big year. I had um, I got Scott Lobdell, um, Jeff Loeb, oh, uh, wow. Steve Scross, and and Tim Sale all to come up for the same show. We had this huge X Men show, and wow. uh, and it did really really well. And then year three came along, and I had a couple of really good industry guys, as uh, Scott Benefield, and uh, who was working on. Uh, Ghost for Dark Horse Comics at the time, and Kirk Van Warmer, who was working on Vampirella at the time. And I had those guys come up, and we got two feet of snow the weekend of the show. None of the vendors showed up. Nobody showed up to go to the show. And, oh. and it basically, you know, it cost me a few thousand dollars, but it might as well have been a few hundred thousand dollars at right, that point. Right. I just didn't have it. Right. Um, so I was like, well, I can't do this. That's that's that. I, I you know I, I had a wife at the time, and I was like, that's it would just be financially irresponsible to go any further with this at, at that point. And then, fifteen years later, about uh, I start working with Brad Erickson at he uh, we started doing the morning show at KFAT. Um, Brad goes out. Um, from the morning show starts his own events company, um, Erickson Unlimited. That's right. So he's doing country concerts and rock concerts and, and comedy shows. And I'm partnering on with him on a couple of things. And, and we had a conversation. I said, Hey man, would you, would you ever consider using your company and we could do a comic con? And he's like, well, do you think people would come? And I go, I'll tell you what, <laughs> watch the sci-fi channel this week. We were talking about it in July. Right. I said, I want you to watch the Sci-Fi Channel all week long because they're at San Diego nonstop. In between all their programming, they go to live to San Diego. Um, so he watches and he goes, could we do something like that here? And I go, on a much smaller scale, yes, we could. We could get celebrities. We could get comic book artists and writers. The state hasn't had anything like this in, since the last time I gave it a, 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 a shot. And, uh, and he said, yeah, let's, let's do it. And I said, okay, on one condition. And I said... Um, you've got to go. You've got to go to a con with me. So we bought tickets to go to Rose City Comic Con um, that following September, and uh, Brad had never been to a, a con before. And uh, Rose City is great. If you ever get the opportunity to go to Rose City, yeah. it's it's a fantastic con. They, it's super friendly. It's it's got a lot of attendees, but it's not overcrowded. Okay. Um, we're talking. I'm guessing the attendance probably between twenty and thirty-five thousand flow over the weekend, uh, whereas Emerald City is approaching a hundred thousand. Right. So it gets right. it gets really crowded. And Rose City is great in, because they put together a great list of of celebrities and and um, gaming and and they really bring all the aspects together. And it's just not overrun. Right. Nice. So. If you haven't if you haven't gone to Rose City, this might that's my unsolicited plug for the Rose City right, Comic Con. Right. They so do a great job there. Just because I'm super new into this, where's it at? I'm not. It's in Portland at oh, the okay. Portland Convention yeah. Center. Oh, okay, cool. So it's in downtown Portland. Um, it's it's really accessible. You don't have to get a hotel right next to um, the con because it's expensive. There, yeah. You you can get on on they have uh, the Max. It's kind of right. like the light rail in Seattle, and there's a max stop at the convention center. I literally, right there. Down there like a, the Rose Bowl. Well, well the Rose Festival was the Navy Fest uh, oh, that we right. used to go down there yeah, for. Yeah, you were telling me military. about that. Yeah. And Portland's a city of roses, so yes. yeah. So um, that's it's it's a nice. great con. Um, so I take Brad to the <laughs> to Rose City. It's my first time going to Rose City. I've been to San Diego. I've been to Emerald City. Um, I also uh, my first time going to Emerald City, I went as talent. They, um, because they do perform stand-up right, as well. Stand-up. Um, they wanted a geek-centric comedy show. 
nice. <laughs> which I agreed to do, um, along with a couple of other comics, and we thought it was going to be an after event, like an after show close event at a bar somewhere where we'd have a stage and a sound system. And that's not what happened. They, <laughs> they put us in one of the panel rooms. Um, in the middle of the afternoon, nobody's oh, drinking. No. Uh, there's we we they they wanted us to do stand up behind this podium, and it was terrifying. Um, oh, but that was my first experience with Emerald City. So I take Brad to Portland, and the comedy show went a lot better than you would think. But anyway, uh, that's awesome. So I take him to Portland, and he sees what what comic comics. That's are something all about. to be said. If the comedy show went better than what we think, and they were sober, they were sober. The nobody was drinking. We we cleaned up the jokes a little bit because we thought we were going to play to adults in a bar <laughs> setting. So we, we we did a little Off quick maintenance on our set list. You know, yeah. yeah, because okay. the, you know we had something else entirely planned. Um, but we, you know, and then we used the last fifteen minutes for question and answer period, and and they were accepting of that. Over and they were everybody in the room was really just waiting for the panel with for Futurama. Matt <laughs> Matt Grenning was there and they were talking about Futurama. Everybody there was was just waiting for the next panel. We were just wow. kind of filler, yeah, between basically. The opening act for sure. So, um, but they they it went over really well and it, it, we ended up all having a great time with it. Um, but that positivity is what Brad saw when in Portland too. It's, um, you know, nice. the, the, the charities, um, that, uh, nonprofits that work on, um, cosplays for kids in wheelchairs, um, so that everybody can wow. be included. All, he saw all of that stuff. And, um, and you know, it, it, the, the businesses that you wouldn't normally think would support a Comic-Con that were there supporting the, you know, and then Cassie is a huge, the brewer, um, they're a huge supporter of the Comic-Con. They have a little tasting tent right in the middle of this last year. They came out with their own comic. Um, because Ninkasi in uh, mythology is the goddess of fermentation. Oh. So they, they created this comic based on a character based Jesus. on their brewery. Um, so they're huge that supporters. So cool. It is. It's yeah. super cool. Yeah. They, brew, super they brew a beer every year. Uh, they release it at the Comic-Con. It's called Ground Control. And it's, uh, they take the yeast and they put the yeast that they use in the beer on one of those private um, rockets that goes into space. And they shoot the yeast in the space, and then they use <laughs> yeast that's been at zero gravity to brew their beer. And it's delicious every year. It's super cool. Yeah. Who's the owner? Like, Elon Musk? <laughs> Maybe. I met the brewers the, 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 first year, the, the first year I went. I met the brewers, uh, both of the, the head brewers there. They were dressed as Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World. That was their cosplay for the week, and it was the greatest thing ever. Super yeah, we got to call, we we call, call Bleeding Heart. We got to call Bleeding Heart Brewery with a quickness. Call and, Bleeding Heart right and now. And we also have got to go just because I got to taste that beer because yes. that just sounds amazing. It's, 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 a, it's a great beer. It's a, a Russian Imperial Stout. It's amazing. Wow. It's really, really good. so funny. Um, so anyway, so Brad went, yeah. we took him to the con. And uh, I took him to the con, and, and he was just blown away. And he said, "You know what? I think I think we can do this." And I said, "But it's good. this is what I want it to feel like in Alaska." And uh, so we worked really, really hard. I, 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 in the process, um, I went to Phoenix Fan Fest the following January and uh, made made some connections with a gentleman who's a, an agent named Tony Vila, and. Uh, just met him by chance, just walked up and introduced myself, said, hey, I'm, I'm from Alaska. We're starting a con up here for the first time, and, and, and I need some help getting getting some celebrities to attend. The comics, the 
comics guys I can I can go and approach and relate to um, but I don't have any experience with how the celebrity things work how do we get make arrangements and uh, and that's what he does for a living he's based out of Arizona and and he's been amazing to work with um, he's got a ton of the WWE connections that we've been able to bring up wow. um, that's how we were able to get Chavo Guerrero in year one um, uh, the hurricane in year two um, we were, you know, in and this is this year. We were scheduled to have Kevin Nash. Yeah, Kevin is the only guest who hasn't committed to the new date yet, but he hasn't said no yet either. I think he's just kind of waiting to see waiting this whole thing. Out. He's got to come all the way from Tampa, so it's ah. he's got. We're talking about a number right. of connections. I, I don't blame the guy at all for, right, for kind right, of right. just waiting it out to make sure everything does get back to normal. Right. Everybody else that was on the guest list before, with the exception of one artist, um, and he hasn't said no yet either. I think he's just waiting as well. Um, Joe Jusco, um, and he's coming from New York. So it's a little more complicated for some of these guys. Mm. Wow. I'm really hoping that Kevin Nash um, does come up. because All my, the ladies are. <laughs> well, my maiden name is Nash. Oh, really? And okay. so I'm pretty sure we're related somewhere, and he and I just need to figure that out. So that way I can get that connection Maybe going. you can have your 23 so and me moment. I'd be like, hey, like I'm pretty sure we're related. So I'm going to need you to come hang out and be like, I have I, I'm going to... Uh, there will be a beer garden. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna need to, Don't blame uh, me, all right? Like, yeah. we're family. Everybody, like, hey, we're fam. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we we, uh, we have a lot of people excited about this con. I think uh, Alaskans uh, are tired of not having something in the last frontier. And now you finally brought something to the last frontier that people just... Uh, with all the negative that happens in this state, it's so awesome to have that getaway, to be quite honest with you. We have people that are coming into the shop that, and we've said this a million times, they are choosing to spend their disposable income here on this hobby, right? Mm-hmm. And we have made some really new, some awesome quality friends from this hobby now the cosplayers who, uh, like uh, uh, Sub-Zero Heroes, we met them at the con. We've maintained those friendships since. I mean, they've showed up to the shop already a couple of times just to hang out and talk and stuff. Uh, we've maintained our social distance, but, you know, uh, but they've come by and they, because it's something to get their mind off of the craziness in the world. This is the one, the, this hobby allows that one true getaway that isn't, you know, uh, some psychedelic drug or something else. This is right. it's just this. You come in here and you embrace the art form. We have uh, uh, kids that have come in here that have purchased their first comic book here. And I had a young man come in here. He bought his first uh, graded book here, and he sent off his first graded books. He sent off. Uh, he just got them back actually from EGS, which by the way is from Florida. And uh, he got a, a signed saga and a signed uh, die that he got back. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Well, and then that mom was uh, wanting to come back. Her son wants to come so he can discuss with Lou his uh, costume, cosplay costume that he wants to make for Khan. But he needs to discuss to make sure he has all the details right. So he needs to come and talk to Lou about it. <laughs> and I thought it was the cutest thing in the world. Because he's awesome. like nine. Yeah. And the mom's really, she's like, nope, he's got to make it. If he wants to go, he's got to make it and do all this stuff. I thought that was the coolest thing. Like, just that involvement, especially now when you're stuck at home, might as well make a really epic costume, you know, to wear. And so I just, I love that we're we're getting that traffic as well. So 
with, with that being said, uh, uh, have you have you noticed? I mean, prior to this COVID stuff, have you noticed a growth in interest for your con? Yeah. So uh, when we when we decided we were going to do this, and we started reaching out to people, and, ex- and we had to explain what a comic con was to a lot of people in Alaska because there hasn't been one. Um, there was there was some resistance initially, like you guys aren't going to be able to do this, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? You know, this this is a thing you think people will come to. And I'm, being inside the industry, um, I knew that that we were going to produce uh, an event that would would draw people to it, would allow people to express their fandoms, and um, and really really put it all together for them, you know, so that they don't even have to leave Alaska. If they want to meet creators, they don't have to, you know, I love the fact I love traveling with just like the next guy and going to cons wherever I can, but to have something right here locally, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a a source of pride, um, for, for the state and to, to play host to some of these, you know, talents. Um, I don't think that any of the celebrities with the exception of chase Masterson last year, had ever been to Alaska for anything before. Um, So we're getting to getting to show them our great state. Mm -hmm. Um, We're getting to play host to these people and, and all of the visitors really um, to, to this event where we all get to express our fandom without, without judgment. If you want to, if, if, if you're, if you are a Wonder Woman fan and you want to dress as Wonder Woman, dress as Wonder Woman, you know, and if, if you're a fan of the flash and, you, you you know you don't fit the profile of the character as it exists today. You can still be the Flash. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. None of that matters at a Comic Con. And and the my favorite thing to see is not only the kids collecting comics or walking out with something that really makes them happy. It's the interaction between the cosplayers and just the fans of the cosplayers. Wow, that's a really great Beast Boy. Can I take your picture? Yes, yes you can. And and Alaska. That I will say that that was my. An initial point of concern is, um, you know, the cosplay, the cosplayers might um, be subjected to people who aren't familiar with the etiquette. Right. Um, So we we were really conscious about explaining that 99 out of 100 cosplayers will absolutely pose for a picture for you in their cosplay because they're thrilled with it. Um, But you have to ask. Right. Um, And and but but that creates more interactivity between people who might not have ever even met on a a normal day. So it's it's that part of the con is the community. It's it's amazing. Did we have resistance at first? Yeah, A lot of people thought we couldn't pull it off. Um, But we did. (laughs) Got a lot proven them wrong. Our our mentor in this business, Jamie Newbald, he he was one of the. Founder, so to speak, of San Diego Comic Con, okay. uh, SoCal Comics in San Diego, and uh, and that started in a garage. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, in his book, if you pick up his book, uh, Forensic Comicologist, because he was a San Diego police officer, and they, okay. they, they gave him that nickname. It was comedic, uh, the comedic uh, uh, origin at first, yeah. but uh, it turned into something later. But uh, anyway, he. He wrote that book, uh, Forensic Comicologist, and he has like these these old vintage photos of the original Comic Con in San Diego, how it started and how it, it you know it progressed. But he was the one thing he told us because we actually went down there and spent a couple of days with them to really learn the business, the ins and outs. And uh, he was like, "You have to have a source of books 
for your back issue bins because he's very big on you have to have a back issue section to be a real comic book shop and mm-hmm. to be successful and uh, you have to have a source for those books locally you have to find those people I promise you they're up there and I, you know how you'll listen to someone but in the back of their head you have all these doubts you're like oh man that's Alaska nobody's going to have these keys that he has and as recently as Saturday I had a customer come in here with multiple copies in near mint condition of Eternals number one. And, you know, he had his Iron Man number one and Submariner number one. All these hot keys that have blown up all of a sudden. This guy had multiple copies of these things in his collection here in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And there's people like him all over the state. There are. Male, female. It doesn't not matter gender, age, whatever. People have these collections all over the state. And, uh, we met Tara Bridger at your show. That guy has one of the largest collections in the state. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's got a lot of books. I, I, he's I deployed think, right now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he'll be back. He's going to be back uh, at the October. He was going to miss this year, but right, right. Um, he's already he sent me a message. He's like, hey, man, I can do the uh, Halloween day. Can I get a booth? Because awesome. uh, So, yeah, so the date changes. is, I mean, we're going to do it Halloween weekend. Everybody, including September morning, um, has confirmed awesome. that they're going to be oh, here. Nice. I can't wait for that concert. I, I saved yeah. my book. I have one of their books. The more I watch their videos, the more I love that band. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing show. Um, even if you don't make it to con, it's going to be worth going to the concert. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a good awesome. show. Well, and I think you're going to have probably one of the most epic Halloweens that Alaska has seen in a long time because <laughs> now people goal. have an even more reason. They can dress up all day. All day. You're already ready. And go get candy. You already, know, like, yep. like there's a twofer here. You know, I think we're gonna see one of the most epic Halloweens Alaska scene in a long time. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. Um, Not to mention you'll be able to be inside and warm and show your costume off and better like you know the kids growing up with the snowsuit on and you're like I'm Iron Man under the snowsuit you know <laughs> this show gives hope to a lot of uh, people in the hobby in the lower forty eight you've got guys right now that are because you're seeing it on eBay right now, uh, people are selling off these massive collections. There are there is a lot out there. It's um it's an interesting time um, as far as the buyers versus the sellers. I mean, in, in, anytime there's yeah. an economic shift like we're seeing right now, somebody somebody's still making more money right. uh, than they were before. Mm-hmm. Most of them own Charmin, but that's not important. <laughs> what is important is that, that, that there are the, the buying and selling has really increased. I've been watching it um, just to see what drops out there that wouldn't normally be out there. I bought a couple of collections in the last few years um, that one, you know, one, one filled a, a small storage unit you know, and the boxes are just stacked on each other. I was like, oh, God, that's a lot to sort. And it was. Um, and I'm still not quite done with it. Um, and then I bought a collection out north of here, when, in the middle of nowhere. Right. I, there was a point as I was driving out there wondering whether or not this was a legitimate thing. Right. Um, and and he, the guy walked me over to this Connex, and I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, this, um, I'm going to step back just while he opens it. And uh, But sure enough, he had... I, a pretty wild collection. It wasn't being stored properly. Right. Um, and, and not all of the books were salvageable um, because they'd been exposed to moisture or, or what right, have you. Right. But there were some really, really nice Hockey. books in yeah. there too. Um, and some original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff yeah. um, from 82 even. Oh, that, wow. uh, yeah, We've had a couple of those come through here. I've noticed, this is very sad. 
And for people listening to the podcast, don't do this. I'm just saying, just for, this has just been my observation, but I'm not encouraging you to suddenly transfer storage. I'm just saying that some of the hottest keys that have blown my mind that have come into this shop have been in shoe boxes. It's in, it, and it is insane. I see. I see insane. people selling comics on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, and there's just a plastic bin of books, and they're all stacked up and like laundry. Yeah, uh, and it's just. I was like, you know, I, I consider looking at those, but it's it makes them really tough to sell. If you if you have any interest in moving books at all. Um, my my advice to you is that so a presentation presentation is a hundred percent. That's exactly um, what we were just telling someone the other day. You know, get a bag and board, get a long box or a short box, whatever. Yeah. You know, make it look. You know, even if you're polishing a turd, you know, you got to polish it to make it exactly. look good. Exactly. You, know? you know, books. It, it, there are people there that, that are perfectly happy with uh, low to mid grade books. They're just trying to fill holes. Right. And then, and then you've got collectors who want to know what the you know the, they'll buy books that are raw, but they want to see, um, you know what 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 they feel would grade as an eight point or higher. Right. Um, and then there's people that will only buy graded keys. Right. Um, so there's 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 three different types of buyers, which means there's a thousand different types of sellers. Um, right. And and how and where you get your books, um, it's it's really interesting. Um, I bought a whole collection of just variants. All this guy had bought was variant comics. So wow. not, there were no standard covers in the whole collection. It was all variants, the wow. whole thing. And there were some really good books in there. There was a, a Thanos 13 in there, which is the first Cosmic Ghost Rider. Wow. Um, you know, it's the big head variant, yeah, yeah, the Mike yeah, McCone yeah. ones. Right. Um, but but it's just in there, you know. And I was like, well, all right. Um so it's 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 really interesting what people will collect and and if you're out there comic hunting, you know look for listings that include toys. I don't know why I'm helping you people. Um, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but toy, you know something that emphasizes toys or things like that, it's always worth calling and asking or just sending a little note and saying, hey, do you happen to have any comics? And and it's fun garage sailing and and you know buying storage units. It's you know if you have the means to do it, you can usually get a really good deal on these collections and and enhance your own or or flip them if you're so you know inclined to well we're i'll tell you right now uh who who knew but everything stops at your starts at your local shop yeah and, and who knew that our customers and the the fans of this hobby sharing and you know talking about us and talking about art of comic-con would create an interest to the point that uh we were called by Marvel Comics uh, last week. We actually got a call from really? the headquarters in New York to check on us, to see what we were interested in. And then uh, 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 we, they actually started pitching a variant cover for us and all kinds of stuff that we may do. So we're looking at a couple of the publishers, but all these publishers are calling this this new comic shop in, in, in Alaska. And that's not something that was... We ever dreamt, but dreamt of that. Especially in our first year. Especially in our first year. Well, and they're already doing things a little bit differently than the guys that have been here for quite a while. And and the industry moving forward is going to change. I mean, we're 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 not thinking straight if we think that everything's going to go back to normal. Yeah. A couple of these companies may decide to direct distribute um, the comics instead of going through. You know, and and taking the the distribution chain over themselves. Um, so let, let, let me let me ask you about that because uh, you, you were a, a diamond retailer at one point mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. What are your feelings about this? Because we have 
I feel like I'm leading with my opinion, so uh, it is definitely okay to disagree with me, 100%. I, I prefer that, actually. But uh, So one of the things DC Comics has announced that they're not exclusive anymore with uh, Diamond Comics. They made that announcement, uh, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They're no longer doing exclusive distribution with them. Now, there's some rumors that they're not going to do any distribution at all, and that's been proven as false. That's not the narrative. Okay. But their, their distributor is supposedly Midtown Comics, which is another competitor. Right. What is your feelings about a competitor becoming a distributor? Well, again, this is one of those things in, in the marketplace that these shifts of, you know, it, how did how did Image get started? Right, Image got started by a bunch of guys at Marvel and DC, but mostly Marvel. Mostly Marvel. Um, that, that decided that the the way that things were and the current contracts and creator ownership of characters um, and royalties that that wasn't acceptable anymore. And and the reason that there is a comic book, um, I'm sorry, um, well, there's a comic book legal defense fund for an entirely different reason. We can get into that some other time. But the the reason that there are um, um, things like the Hero Initiative, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the Hero Initiative is established as a nonprofit to support comic creators pre 19. 19- 95 that didn't have any creative control that aren't getting royalties from the characters they they created that had these prolific careers in comics contributing to characters we've loved our entire lives that are not making a dime Uh off of their creations all these guys didn't make a dime and and so the Hero Initiative um, puts together books with current creators and they sell them limited edition um prints of these books and, and and basically all of that money goes to these comic creators who are some of them are homeless you know maybe they had medical issues and they got bankrupted or whatever the case may be um you know they, they've fallen on hard times um well that's how image got started those guys decided you know what we're not going to live that life that's not how this is going to go we'll mm-hmm. we'll start our own imprint todd mcfarland rob lightfeld jim valentino jim lee mark silvestri um, there were seven of them. Um, Wills Portacio and, you know, the couple. Right, right, right. There were seven. Mm-hmm. And they said, nope, we're going to change the way things are happening. And and then they created their own imprint, right? And mm-hmm. Im- Image has become responsible for some of the biggest pop culture icons in Saga, history. Walking Dead. Walking Dead right off the gate. And, and so Skybound has become an offshoot of Image now, um, which is the natural order of things. So I think that... Competitors jumping into the distribution market in different ways. I don't. I don't think anything bad can come from competition. Right. Um, I don't know what form that all is going to take yet. I don't. I don't know how they're going to structure things moving forward. I just know that it'll be different. I. I am a proponent of competition all day long, twice on, uh, twice on Sunday, but. I do have concern. Now, trust me, I am not a Diamond fan. Right. Nobody is. And I know that this is going to, hopefully, if they're somewhat successful, it'll force uh, Gepi and his crew to maybe, you know, upgrade their boxing. <laughs> you know, the way they ship stuff. Sure. They've been shipping the same, the same method of boxing all these books since, like, 1984 and, and there's no, not a week you don't have right. damage returns right. yeah. 
The only issue I'm having is I'm hoping that a distributor comes out of the woodworks that is not a also a retailer because they're, they're, it just it leaves an opening for some you know for instance Diamond Comics uh, they essentially have it where they will not open up a retail store because if they did they would I think it would be pretty destructive if Diamond Comics were to open up a shop across the street from me yeah. and they're selling all their books at their discounted sure, rate. Sure, you know, They could be selling these books for a dollar fifty, a dollar an issue, and still make a significant profit if they're the distributor. That's what I'm worried about. Is Midtown Comics now uh, going to, as a distributor, yeah, they'll be giving us our books for the fifty percent or whatever the discount mm-hmm. is. But then, if they want to do a little tactical nuke on the competition real quick, they'll sell all their books for 40 cents a cover or whatever because that's what they're paying uh, that uh, that's what they're paying DC for. Right. That's a concern for I think a lot of the retailers. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think the only thing that protects the rest of the industry from that is the fact that 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 would be self-destructive on their own part. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I don't see I don't I think I think that the industry, especially the, those that support the industry, um, wouldn't wouldn't fall for a bait and switch like that. They might take advantage of a couple of specials, right. but I, I, this industry is always and its supporters have always rallied around one another. And there's a tremendous amount of loyalty. I mean, you've seen it already from your customers that have been right. with you since day one. Right. Would those com- would those same customers not come in here to save forty percent on a couple of books? I don't I don't think they would. And it's it's I think that they, any smart businessman would know that you, you've got to kind of separate the two. I mean, you can still go to Diamond, can't you, as a member, right. and stop by the warehouse and shop when he, whenever you want. They just don't let the general public in there. That's how they used to do it. I yeah, I, I haven't gone down there yet, but that's like to one of our dream, Yeah, well, that's yeah. one of our dream trips. Uh, there's a uh, my super customer. He's, I mean, sometimes I feel like he's part owner of the place. I have Eric, <laughs> Eric and. Uh, uh, him and Amy always bust each other's chops, but uh, we've we've always said that we're going to go together down there to go and, and not and unsupervised, not <laughs> unsupervised. But, uh, His wife so, will agree with me on that. Also, not we want to see what their operation is. I want to see. I've been there before, you know, yeah. and because uh, I, I go to Washington, I used to go to Washington a lot. Um, we'll see what that looks like moving forward again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, it kind of like a kid in the candy store there for a little bit because oh there's, there's a lot of stuff that the, you know you wouldn't think would be stuck in the warehouse for no reason that oh is God. it's just sitting there you know and uh, I mean I think that the industry um, understands itself pretty well I, mm-hmm. I think that, that you know there's some missteps here and there but I think that as a whole the, 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 the industry has a pretty good grasp on on what our threshold is as a fan and what your threshold is as a businessman as well. Um, right. Because it, without you um, on the front lines, they, they don't really have any place to go. Nobody's going to buy everything sight unseen. Nobody's going to buy all their books online. Um, because the, it's it's more fun to come down here and shop and look. You know what? Oh my God! I didn't know Jim Lee was doing the cover for this book, or right, or right. you know, oh my gosh, Garth Ennis is writing this. I didn't even know this existed. Um, you know, that's that's part of the allure of coming into the shop, and it, it all starts and ends with the local comic shop. It always has, and I, in my opinion, for the hardcore collectors and even some of the casual ones, it always will because. Right. 
we don't buy our books on Kindle. I don't have any interest in building an electronic comic collection. I never will. I'm going to come down here and shop. And and someday I might decide I want to look for old Spider Woman books. The next day it could be you know something from DC. You know some Brave and the Bold or DC Comics Presents. Right. You know some old school stuff that brings me back to when I was a kid. So um, I think that that most. You know, enthusiasts are like that. Well, we were we were definitely prepared. Uh, thank goodness, but I think it's also maybe our backgrounds too. But we were we were prepared if the distributors would have said we're done. You know, if this thing with DC would have fell through, where you know the rumors were the AT and T was just going to shut down DC publications, and uh, there was also strong rumors that IDW wasn't going to make it out of this and uh, boom until they hit the lottery with Netflix was uh, was looking at you know at high risk there financially yeah. but had they all failed our our next and uh, our next business plan here was just to convert it to essentially a vinyl store for comic books you know we were just going to stay strictly back issues and, keep and, it and that's, not, that's not an unsustainable thing either. I mean, right. the, the core of uh, is, is that, you know, anybody who's starting comics, collecting comics in the last couple of years have missed 50 years of history. Right. Um, and it's still very collectible. And I'm, I, I, I love trade paperbacks for if you just want to read a story. Mm-hmm. But part of the fun of collecting is the hunt. And, and the hunts always start here. This is, you are the Cabela's, you're the Bass Pro Shops of the comic industry. You're, you're right. where this all begins. There's no way to effectively hunt for comics without the source material and being able to plug the holes in your collection and things like that. And that's, that's what happens here. And I love that one of the things that he always makes sure that he does is in our back issue bins, he will specifically throw keys in there at our normal two and $3 price because he wants the hunt to be fun. And he wants someone to be like, Oh dude, this is yeah. Good. Good job finding it. You I've know? thrown an over number one in there before. And <laughs> some guy it was like, I was like, yes, I put that in there on purpose. Congratulations that you just been rewarded for going, you know, doing right. a hunt. Mm-hmm. And because the hunt has to be worthwhile. And I guess the other thing, too, is that, you know, the, the shops have to change their mindset. The old school sit behind the counter judgmental, you know. What are you in my shop here yeah, for? Mentality. Like the comic that shop owner yeah. on The Simpsons. On The Simpsons. <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. No. It's funny if... if it actually like never worked. Theme, That's never why worked. it's so yeah. funny because yeah. I, I, you know, I remember the, 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 the look of frustration a couple of times on the guys at the at past, present, and future when I was younger and I just didn't know, um, you know, that the Teen Titans hadn't been around forever that, that this was a new thing or who George Perez was right, you know right. and the faces that some of those guys made like are you, I'm like well you know I'm nine uh, yeah, you know right. or whatever so um, but that that character is created out yes. of you know some yes. real and nobody likes there's one of those guys at every comic shop yes. with more than one employee yes. there's one of those guys um, and, but every, you need him because he literally knows everything about every comic 
ever ever published, but then you need somebody else to smooth it over for him because yeah. it's like, you know, it's an issue 214, you know. Oh, yeah. When we were getting ready to open, we'd gone on a pre-planned trip and I said, okay, well, let's go to a comic, couple comic book shops. And there were a couple, you know, the, that very typical dungeon, you know, I can't even walk through the aisle because there's so much stuff everywhere. Right. And, you know, and I didn't even want to go ask a question. I was like, nope, I'm good. I won't ask a question because I don't know. I didn't, right. I didn't know anything about comic books. And so when we opened this place, I was like, we're going to be well lit. There will be plenty of room to walk around. Like there well, will the be none of that. Well, the lighting helps bring out the art and makes it pop. Yeah, I, like I never understood places like that either, and I've been to more than a few. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's places that just feel like they're just there to take every dollar that you have. And there was the, one in particular that we went to that they sold everything from from gaming stuff to collectibles to like oven mitts and puzzles and shirts. And the only thing that I can really truly tell you that I remember from that store because there was so much was there was a funny oven mitt. It was a, it had a really funny pun on it and it was a really funny play on words. And that's the only thing. And we were in that store for at least an hour. It's the mm. only thing I can remember because there was so much. Right. I've had, I've had a couple of missteps here myself and I figured out what it was. So customer, Customers come in here and they're trying to sell a collection or they're trying to get a, a value in the collection. And I find that if I sit behind the counter and I'm talking to them while I'm looking at my stats and looking at the register report for that day, I start off as an asshole. I'm like, you're coming in here to take money from me. And then as soon as I get out from outside the register mm-hmm. and become my jovial self again, I'm able to salvage that contact, but I, I I remember why we opened up the shop in the first place to kind of humanize the whole, you know, the hobby and stuff that, and also show people that, you know, you, it's not a stereotypical, nobody really knows what a stereotypical comic book fan looks like nowadays. You no. Know, it's now very much acceptable. Every, uh, I forgot there was a, uh, there was a, a podcast or something I cannot remember now about the most recognized symbols on the planet and they did studies like they've gone to these uh, remote villages in Africa and the three most common symbols if I recall were the cross the Batman logo and the Superman logo and everyone all over the planet knows what those three logos are irregardless of where they are and I thought that that was that says something about this hobby mm-hmm. and the influence it's had on people. And I, uh, it's exciting to be a part of this, I mean, to be honest with you. Oh, it's and, and it's got a, such a, a bright future ahead of it, too. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, movies continue to be successful. Um, you know, companies like Netflix and Hulu are uh, buying the... That, and that's what we were talked about that a little bit earlier, that in, in, in times like this, there's always buyers and there's sellers. Yes. And you mentioned that that's how Boom got saved. Oh, um, yeah. You know, whole or catalog. IDW. Right. Boom. Boom got saved. You know, Kevin... Uh, is it... Not Kevin Millar. Uh, Mark Millar. Uh, Kevin Millar was a baseball player for the Red Sox. Mark Millar um, has, you know, has licensed... It has, has almost everything he publishes gets licensed right away. Ever since, right. you know, the Kingsman and Secret yeah, Service yeah, yes. uh, wanted um, uh, Kick-Ass, uh, right. you know, 
Right. And right. so the, they're like, whatever you write, we'll, we'll just take the rights to it. <laughs> you create it, we'll, uh, we'll buy it. And right, you know, right. thankfully that, that that's happening and for a lot of creators. There's, there's a lot of properties the out there. I don't know why they haven't been made into a series yet because I, yeah. I just love reading them so much and I can see so much potential theatrically. And yes. like, why isn't this in production? I'm, I think they did a fantastic job with Lock and Key. I really enjoyed that first season. I can't wait for season two. Um, that that one, I really, I was, I had my concerns um, because the, the source material and and you know Stephen Joe Hill being Stephen King's son and Stephen King not always having the best luck right out of the gate with some of his properties. What's happened to them? Right. Um, but even that's all getting rebooted, you know, and getting another shot. Like they just redid Pet Cemetery. The original was pretty good. I thought the remake was was adequate. Um, I know they're remaking Salem's Lot here pretty soon, too. They're going to do a reboot of Salem's Lot. I'm Great. really looking forward to Great that. Great comic news right now, too. Daredevil. Uh, uh, Disney is redoing Daredevil, good. but they're using the same actor. They absolutely had to use they're the same using the actor. Same actor. They need the same cast overall. Yeah, right? they, yeah. That was There's some contractual limits, but they were able to secure the same actor, good, which good. is awesome. Yeah, that was my favorite yes. out of all of those Marvel series. Daredevil was easily the most watchable. The, uh, and here's a key issue alert. If you find uh, the first team up of uh, Iron Fist and Power Man, that's supposed to be a, a, a hot key. And also the first appearance of uh, Iron Fist for Daredevil is supposed to be another one right okay. now because uh, the, uh, uh, they're relaunching Iron Fist. Different actor. <laughs> they needed to do that. Yeah, they absolutely and needed I think, to do uh, that. I think they're going to... Uh, uh, oh, the other key is... I would uh, like to see the Punisher Shang continue. Shang-Chi with... Uh, uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, Iron Fist because... Uh, they're they're planning on making legitimate martial arts themed gotcha movies based off of this legitimate martial arts themed comic book right mm-hmm. and I think they're gonna do it right I think they're gonna have uh, uh, we were just watching uh, what was it I kept showing you that TikTok video of those martial arts stuntmen that are oh, just Lord. they do like they just did this one that uh, uh, actually it was about a year ago it was the nun it, it was a uh, it was a parody on The Nun, but uh, you remember that horror movie, The Nun? Yeah. Well, she comes into the house, and there's this uh, this buff Asian dude, but dressed like a little girl, and just beats the brakes off of this nun. But it is legit, <laughs> legit martial arts. Like, oh, I'm going to have to like, look for that. It is awesome. <laughs> And then you just see him toss her out the window or out the door. And he's like, and don't you ever come back. You know, it's just that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, the, um, the action, the, the fact that people, I love when people come into the shop and they make the connection for the first time that that awesome TV show or that awesome movie or that awesome uh, series on Netflix is based off of that comic book right there. You know, but then we also have to remind some parents, not age appropriate, like the boys. Even sure. though the boys' show was very graphic, it was not. The, no, they not were two the different playing graphic. fields on you know. And creatures not either. Right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, there's doesn't certain go nearly ones as far as the comics. We've had to be like, ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, yeah with uh, Garth Ennis. I mean, he's all over the place too with. Uh, from the Punisher, to he's got some properties. I did yeah. his Hitman book for DC was one of my favorite books wow. too. I love that yeah. book. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I think it was fifty-five issues, and then 
um, done. Yeah, yeah. But I love that whole. Uh, you know, he's and he's a he's a super nice guy. I'll get him up here eventually. Yeah, um, oh. great guy. I had the best time meeting him in San Diego. He was in San Diego. Um, and that's that. You know, that that was the other thing is that I've got a, a just a box. I got a half box of books. Um, that I've just had signed at cons and I, that's yeah. there. None of them have certificates of authenticity. Cause I don't, uh, that's not, I don't care right. uh, about that. I get to meet the creator. Um, you know, I've, the book, the only book I have signed by Claremont is the original, um, DC Marvel teen Titans, X-Men crossover book. Wow. So I've got a copy of that yeah. signed by Claremont. That was one of that is that, uh, I think that's one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. Um, and it, it will, that will never get off the, I've got a list of top tens. It's a little weird. Um, I think Marvel two on one annual number seven is another one. It's the, um, the issue where the champion comes to earth to challenge all of Marvel's strongest heroes to a boxing oh, match. Right, right. And he just goes through everybody and he gets to the thing and he just beats the thing senseless. Um, and the thing won't stay down. He just will not stay down. And the right. champions, you know, comes to the comes to earth under the edict. If you don't have somebody who can beat me in a boxing match, I'm going to destroy the planet. Um, he beats the thing up so badly, and he won't stay down that he realizes that humanity, if humanity could produce a a, a creature like the thing, right. um, that you know we were worth sparing, and he agrees to not destroy you. Thank you very much, yeah, champion. So, right. Um, it's a key. It's a weird key because I think it's got. Um, it may be the first appearance of the Power Stone. Uh, in, that's in, right. In the Marvel yeah. universe, I'm not 100 percent on that, but um, it's but the story itself is just it's great. It's a really great story, um, and that's one of those books that you could probably pick it up for two bucks at a, a comic shop somewhere um, if they've got right. a nice front of Marvel two and ones. Uh, she made my birthday cake uh, this year. I turned 50 this year, and uh, well, technically her. Naomi with all I saw cakes did it. Right, Shout right, out to her because I mean, she's better than me. She, she had the cake made, and thank you, Naomi. That was awesome. Uh, basically, it was the, my favorite cover of all time. It's uh, JLA versus uh, Avengers, and it's I believe it's issue number four. And this is a book that you can pick up for between two and five bucks, typically. And it's Superman on the cover, all battered up getting ready to fight one last time, and he's got Thor's hammer in one hand and Captain America's shield in the yeah. other. Then George Perez did yes, the cover. George it's Perez. amazing. It oh, yeah. Just, it's stuff like that. It's super iconic. And it and it satisfies every superhero fantasy that you've had, for me anyway, you know. Well, and something that you talked about on the podcast before was, you know, in regards to value of books, something may not be monetarily valuable, but just like you said, that, that half box of books to you means more to you than the price tag. And I think that that's something that's really special with this whole entire niche is it may not like the one customer that wanted the wonder woman, the year his wife was born, you know, that that was so important. It wasn't a key issue at all, but it was because it was important to them. And I love that with this whole entire stuff, like the getting his birthday cake with that cover on right. it, you know, like that meant something to him and that has more value. I have customers that come in here that feel very strongly about young bloods and I'm like, okay, well I have plenty of those. Yeah. You know, and some of them get offended that I have them in, you know, the $1, $2 bin, but I'm like, Hey, you know, it, it, there's so many of them, but I have it here for you. Yeah. you know? and, and, I, and there's no wrong way to collect. No either if you collect. like it, Buy it. Buy if it. you want to read it, read it. If yes. you hate it, 
keep it to yourself. And nobody, nobody, I mean, that's the thing about comics is there's something for every, there really is literally at this point, something for everyone. There's, there, there are no stories that are going unwritten right now. There are no boundaries. Um, you know, when the comics code authority was in charge of everything, there were limitations. And, um, you know, when Tony Stark was an alcoholic, that was really pushing a boundary. When yes. when Speedy had a heroin problem right. with Green Lantern and Green Arrow, that was a huge deal. That's an iconic cover. It, it certainly is. And Neil Adams, yeah. he's, he's on the bucket list. I, yes. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get him up here because he's... Right. He's, he's, you know, it costs, it's, there's a lot of involved with that, but yes. I would love to have him up. Um, mm-hmm. big fan of his work. Those storylines were as far as you could go. There weren't, there weren't gay characters. There weren't a lot of ethnic characters and those yes. boundaries aren't, those boundaries don't exist anymore. The storylines right. can encompass, um, you know, reborn. I, I don't know if you read reborn when that came out, it was fantastic. Um, and it dealt with some things that it's groundbreaking in its own way. Um, well, we have a book here. Uh, I was explaining to one of the customers that, 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 that well, mom comes in, and I was explaining to her about because she was like, "What's age appropriate?" I said, "Well, for the most part, the comic codes. If you saw that comic codes for the older books, because I said for the newer books, just ask us, we'll tell you. But mm-hmm. for the older books, typically comic codes. But I said you have to be careful with that too. And I pointed out we have a Superman over here. I think it's Superman or Action Comics. And the reason there's nothing inappropriate at all about that book, the reason it didn't get the comic codes is because Lois Lane is in a policewoman's uniform on the cover and they refused to put the code on it because they didn't they didn't think that it was okay for a female to be a police officer back then. It was in 1953. And she was like, the dress, you're kidding me. And, but she found that intriguing too. I was like, well, look and, at how we progressed. But yeah, that's and, history right and now. And now we're right back in the conversation to where I was talking a little bit yeah. about the comic book legal defense fund. That's why that has to exist yes. because censorship is real. And, and like I'm telling you, like I said, there are no boundaries to the storylines, but there are still people who would seek to censor them. That's right. Um, that they're not comfortable with the, with whatever it is, is being addressed. Um, Unfortunately, there's still people out there who can't open their minds to to anything. And these are stories. Nobody's nobody's getting hurt here. Right. right? Exactly. I mean, these are stories. Um, you know, it was uh, uh, there was a there was a group yesterday. Well, we were doing this right after Mother's Day. Yeah. There was a group of uh, people holding a banner last yesterday um, at the corner of Northern Lights and the highway that said, thank your mom for not being gay. So that you could have a Mother's Day. Man. Um, Yeah. Thought processes like that are still, unfortunately, alive and well. Right. And that's why the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund is is important. Um, We had protesters at the last con, you know, marching up and down um, out in front of the Denina Center, you know, reminding everybody that superheroes aren't gods. I don't think anybody there really no, thought no, they were going to worship Batman. It's not like you had a church Flash. service after I'm, a I'm, panel. I'm as Christian as a gets, and I have. <laughs> I understand, but, but there are people that felt the need to protest a Comic Con. Well, for the worst, for the fear of worship well, of false well, idols, I guess, it, for it, lack of a better it, term. It, it, from a commercial standpoint. Keep on protesting because <laughs> you're the reason that Action Comics is a three million dollar comic book because. 
back uh, when Action Comics number one came out, there was a group of far right that felt that the uh, uh, the this is it's even horrible to say far right because this is beyond that. This is there. They claimed that Superman was a mockery of Jesus Christ and that he was being sold as a, a substitute savior. So they ordered their kids to burn these books and they started burning all these books, which made the book even more rare. And right. then on top of that, you had the government that was saying, hey, could you uh, recycle the books, you know, after you read them, which is, you know, legitimate during wartime, right? Sure. That was during uh, yeah. World War Two, But it's just, it's crazy that... We move forward 2000, uh, you know, 2020, we still have that. We had the, that Joker who was pro, uh, uh, no, it was last year, protesting the Halloween event in front of the Menard. Yeah. Uh, or no, and then there was the other dude that showed up to the um, the Christmas village that they do. Yeah. Well, that, the that's the guy that the organized state, the protest the outside state, the Comic Con. The one at the yeah. state fairgrounds, he paid to m- admission to get in there. There's all these little kids, there's people dressed up as elves, and there's reindeer. And he starts telling all these kids Santa Claus isn't real. Um, you're pretty much the worst person ever. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't he have like a criminal background too? That he has guy? a criminal background and he runs this very eccentric religious group. Yeah. And, they, and, and they go but under this that. This is club. an interesting place to be doing stuff like that because Alaska don't really like... You don't... Alaskans don't like being told what to do anyway. Yeah. And if you, if you approach my child yeah. uh, with anything... And uh, you don't have my permission. There's going to be a confrontation. Exactly. Hundred yeah. percent of the time, that's not okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that's why it is important to to, to have initiatives like the CBLDF, CBLDF, um, um, just to keep creators protected and their their rights uh, are are protected, so that they can produce the material. I don't. There's a lot of books out there I won't read. A lot of them. I bought collections and found books that I don't think anybody should read. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I don't know who wants to read this right, stuff, right, you know, right. and I'm looking at it going, you know, whatever, um, you know, it, but it, I wouldn't ever, ever defend any, I wouldn't ever uh, oppress anybody's right to produce it or purchase it. Right. Right. It's that's just, their business. Exactly. And I think that's one of the reasons why comic cons have this feel to them, like art of comic con, because it is a place for everyone to express their own creative thoughts and their own creative ideas and feelings without that, you know, precedence of judgment and, and all of those other things. Yeah, you're going to have protesters. Yeah, you're going to have people that, you know, don't understand it. But I think that's why it's so important that you continue to, you know, okay, we didn't get to do the May one, but let, let's look forward to October, you know, November. And I think that that's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's been a learning experience for me. I, I knew I've, I've got friends that are professional cosplayers. I consider myself fairly knowledgeable about the cosplay aspect of it. What I didn't anticipate or know about was kind of the furry community um, that, that came in attendance of the con. And it was an education for me there as well. Right. Because if you just get your ideas from CSI episodes, it's not favorable. But, the, right. the, you know, it's it's it's, 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 its own entire um, entity in and of itself. Again, that's that's their form of expression. That's not they're not hurting anybody. Right. Um, you do you as long as it's appropriate. And we've all, that's something we have always stressed is that everything at the fam at the event should be family appropriate. One hundred percent of the time. There are some creators that create some race, racy material. I asked if there's any. You know, um, we do ask the creators with that produce stuff like that. I don't want you to not sell it. I just need you to to protect. 
yourself and the con and 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 the people who don't want to see your work, mm-hmm. right? So and that's that, but that's that's, but that's something fair. you're really good about fair. too. You know, you know because that fair. that balances bullseyes. It's still available, it's but it's not. Res- be, it's an yeah. environment of mutual respect. Exactly, and I think that's what I love about this niche and this hobby. So, uh, I am really looking forward to having you back on the on the cast again anytime and, anytime. and give us the details of Comic Con for anyone who doesn't know. So we yes. moved it to Halloween weekend. Um, okay. So it'll be the thirty first and first. Yes, and. Uh, um, so far, all of the guests have reconfirmed. Um, every single guest, Michael Bean, his wife, uh, CJ Graham, um, everyone that was on the list before we've re- been, a- been able to reannounce. Um, Ages Comics will be presenting September morning in concert. Uh, I think that's going to be October 30th, the Friday night. Ooh, that'll um, be a fun way to kick off the weekend. Yeah, we're kicking off Comic Con weekend. Um, so all of the guests have reconfirmed. All of the artists have reconfirmed. Of course, pending you know ability to travel um, safely. Um, Where so, can people get tickets? Um, you can go to artcomicon.com. There's a link um, where all the tickets are now going through uh, the Denina Center. Um, it's they've got a, a special ticketing agent now, but the fees have been greatly redu- reduced um, from what no- Ticketmaster normally charges. So okay. because they're orchestrating it don't let that put you off They're, they've capped the ticket fees because it's a convention event and not a concert oh, um, so um, yeah the, if you want any information at all you can go to artacomicon.com we'll have, and you've we'll got have a that Facebook link. page yeah. we've got a Facebook page you can Instagram. email me I'm just Mike at artacomicon.com I'm happy to answer any questions and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing everybody there I can't wait we can't awesome. wait either we're really it's, looking forward to it it's going to be a tight turnaround going into 2021 but we, we can pull it off well, yes. you know might as well end the, the crazy year of 2020 on this positive good note yeah we're, we're going to make sure it's murder hornet free just so yes. everybody wants to know yes. I just want to know i got to get a picture with whoever shows up in a murder hornet cosplay <laughs> like you know someone's going to do it absolutely somebody's going to do it and you someone's going to show up as COVID <laughs> and someone's also showing up as Carol Baskin. Oh, of course, there's going to be a Carol so Baskin. Many tiger- and, and I'm so looking many forward to the things. people with the kids that get like the kids is like little tigers and stuff like that. You <laughs> yeah. know, like that's going to be so great. That'll, that'll be, be its, that'll be its own show. Yeah, and then I watched the a special on that though with Joe McHale after yeah. the after thing. It's well, it's pretty incredible. Well, Everybody wore their shirts. It was the coolest thing. It's, oh my gosh! No, nobody was in a bathtub so for no apparent reason or eating a sandwich in the middle of the interview. Right. I don't know why they couldn't just work around that. But it was the weirdest. That was the that of all of it, I know there's people like all of those people out there. I just don't know why they couldn't get them to have a more natural a interview. Table, yeah, you know, wear a shirt, not be in a <laughs> bathtub, not in the middle of lunch. They right. It was those, and you know that. But the scene, the parting scene with uh, what's his name on the uh, jet ski. It's he probably it's probably one of the, the the greatest visuals to end and a the series. And memes that came from that <laughs> yeah. pretty much made everything yeah. okay for a good weekend for me. I was like, this is going to make my life pretty well. Well, on that, and that has absolutely nothing. I did not spoil a thing. <laughs> other than you've got that to look forward to. I can't to as an wait epic to. Scene. L- I'll try to record him to see what it's, you can see his reaction. It's to one that. of the single greatest cinematography accomplishments <laughs> of the twenty first century. <laughs> We're going to have to do a reality show. At this point. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, we will have uh, links for 
Art of Comic Con on in our show notes. We'll also have it on our social media as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing all you guys at Art of Comic Con. We also want to send out a special thanks to all our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much. Remember that this Saturday uh, we will have a Patreon exclusive event starting at 10 a.m. And then everyone else who comes by, uh, you'll be celebrating our shop's anniversary this Saturday coming up. So thank you very much, everyone. Take care. Hope to see you soon.